We have this, this mission that we want to know God here. We want to know God. And we, we certainly don't want to be religious, but we don't want to be religiously anti-religious either. Does that make sense? You know that you can be religiously anti-religious. You know, back in the, back in the I don't know when it was, I forget, maybe the 70s or so, or 80s, when people think they were getting radical, they would actually advertise you could come to their services and the preacher would not be wearing a tie. You remember those days? I was like, man, we're going to really step out of the box right now. And so we're not going to wear a tie. We're not going to wear a suit. And, and, you know, and, and then sometimes, the, but, but you know, in the pursuit, I, b- I believe, and as you know, our mission and our philosophy here is that we absolutely, Christianity has in the last few years, number, maybe a decade or so, I believe, generally speaking, not exclusively, not totally, I'm painting with broad brush strokes here, it has, it has, it has ceased to be very effective in the lives of people. Listen carefully to what I'm doing, I'm saying, okay? Generally speaking, we've traded relationship for this religious thing, and you, you, you hear me talk about churchianity and, and my, my way of talking. You know, we've made it about church. And it's been no wonder, it's been no wonder that the world hasn't liked it. It's been no wonder that they've had this impression of what church is. And sadly... I think there's a lot of Christians that have been deceived into to thinking that church is irrelevant and it doesn't make a difference in their life. And sadly, by and large, it's true. Do you know that most Christians, after they are born again, and I'm assuming most of you all being coming here on a Sunday are born again believers, but most Christians will have a born again experience, have radical change in their life at their born again experience, and then they will change very little over the rest of their life. They will, ex- and, I'm, and I, is it okay if I just be very practical? They will have very little victory in their life. They will experience a very, generally speaking, please, okay? The, the, they will experience very little victory, very little advancement, very little growth in many areas of their life. But that's not us. Amen. That's not why you come and you stick it out here at Lake Cave. <laughs> okay, we, we want to, so I, I, I want you to, to stick with me. Before I give you the title, um, I want you to, I'm going to read from Mark 7.13 in, the, um, from in the, the English Standard Version. And here in, in Mark 7 verse 13, it says, um, thus, I'm not going to give you the whole context here because it's not necessary right now. Thus making void the word of God by your tradition that you have handed down and many such things you do. Jesus is saying that um, he's just talking to the Pharisees and, and he's basically saying this. He says that you have made the word of God void by your tradition. Now I'm going to let that soak in a little bit. You see, I've laid a a foundation here for a little while, as you know. We talk a lot about God's love, and I hope that it's your big, hairy, audacious truth. You have to know that you know that you know that you are loved 
by God. We talk about God's love. We talk about God's unconditional love for you. We write it up on the board. Number one is reaching people with God's unconditional love. That is our reaching statement. Reaching people with God's unconditional love. We say that we want all people to know God and experience His unconditional love. We have, that is our big, hairy, audacious truth, is that you've got to know that. So, you know, I can't teach the love of God as a topic every Sunday, right? But I'm assuming that I'm speaking to you. If you aren't persuaded that you know that you know that you know that you know that God is totally crazy about you. He loves you. No matter what you have done, He loves you. He is for you. He's not against you. But... As I went, and recently, as before, T did such a great job last week, holding on to your bone, right? You know, I was, I was talking about the blessing of obedience because, you, and I was explaining obedience isn't bias or get us or earn us or anything from God. It's just, it's just the choice for us to take hold of the things that God has given us by doing it what God says. When God says, go this way, and we say, uh-uh, I'm going to do it my way, and then we wonder why it ain't working out, why we aren't being blessed, why we aren't experiencing because we've chosen with free will to do things not God's way. But the sad thing is, generally speaking, church steps in, church, churchianity steps in back there and says, don't worry, God is in control. And that is super dangerous. And as I've dealt with it so many times, it's super dangerous to believe God is in control. And we've gone over this so many times. But it is important that you understand that God is not in control. I know it's all quiet again. But He is not in control. He is sovereign. He is all-powerful. But if God is not a man that He should lie, and we dealt with this a couple of weeks ago. He, if, in other words, if God says... Listen, in one sense, he is sovereign in the sense that has he got the ability? He is the only God. He is the only creator of heaven and earth. He, he, he technically could do anything, but he has bound himself by his word. He cannot do things. He can't lie because he said he can't change his mind. God is not a man that he should change his mind. There is no shadow of turning with him. He can't choose to say, I tell you what, I am Jehovah healer, but in your case, I'm going to make you sick to teach you a lesson. Mm. I have called myself Jehovah Rophe, your healer, or Jehovah, your provider, Jireh, your provider, or Jehovah peace, but I'm going to not do that this time. You understand? That would be counter God. God can't, de God can't deny himself. And so when religion, and I know it's meaning, I know people mean well. Listen, I know a lot of people mean well. Do you know that the Pharisees were sincere? They were sincere. I mean, they had a, they had a stricter to do and to perform as a Pharisee and dot the I's and cross the T's and act the way they acted. They had to be committed to their cause. There's no question. None of us are probably as, quit, as committed as some of those Pharisees were. But that doesn't make them right or accurate. Jesus, and we know the Word of God tells us that, that we, we are destroyed from lack of knowledge. 
Because if we don't know it, Jesus came preaching out of the same Bible as the Pharisees came preaching out of. But they did not preach and they did not even know God as Father. And so people were amazed at Jesus' teaching because he showed a whole different perspective and brought a manifest presence of God into people's lives. When you see Jesus, you know what God is like, right? So this, but this God in control thing is, has been a, a bitter, ugly, poisonous pill that I believe is a doctrine of the devil that has sent many people to hell. Just to put it lightly. I don't know if I can make it any lighter than that. But no, seriously, it's, it, it's, it's hurt people because so many people get told that, get believe that. You hear it on Christian TV all the time. Oh, God. You know, and, they, and they twist scriptures out of context to make it seem. And, and, they, the, and listen, I know people mean well. They're trying to comfort this little child or this spouse that's lost a, you know, a, 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 their partner or whatever. And they mean the best thing possible. So they say, you know, well... You know, you know, God just took this from you because he needed another flower in heaven and whatever the case is, whatever the justification is. But God cannot deny himself. He has bound himself in his word. His word, as we dealt with, is forever settled in heaven. It says in Psalm 119, his word is forever settled. If you want to know the will of God, it is clearly spelled out in the word of God. His eternal word. His word is eternal. Has he has spoken it? He's spoken it through this age and the next and the previous and whatever ages are to come. His word is forever settled. That is that is go to that is go to ground scripture. That is go to ground um, um, uh, foundation stuff that can totally radically change your faith. Totally, and and it's important because what we're talking about here is about we're touching on the topic of faith and because the, you know we, we there's that scripture you all know well and and I, I actually didn't put it in the list but the just shall live by faith the just shall live by faith it's mentioned three times in the new testament quoting the old the just shall live by faith faith is how we're going to live but listen to this big but okay you ready for the big but the just shall live by faith Unfortunately, faith has been sold, as I so often point out, as this commodity to get something from God. It has been lost. The truth of what faith is, is trusting God and taking Him at His word. Pointing to the fact that God is faithful and true and is true to His word. That what's, that's what faith is. But we've turned it into this commodity to get stuff from God. That is not what faith has ever been about. If you think that faith is something you need to get or get more of to get something from God, you and me both, we were sent to sell a bill of goods. You don't get or earn anything from God by faith. Okay, so, but the just shall live by faith. Why? And as you heard me say we, we, before, Faith always looks back. It looks back at God's faithfulness. It looks back at God's character, His word. His he, has, he has made His character known. He has given us His names. He's given us His word. He's given us Jesus. We can look at the life of Jesus, and if we've seen Him, if we look at Him, we see the Father. We know who God is. We know how He will act towards prostitutes or child molesters. Just to put it in a little bit of radical terminology. 
Because we, most Christians would be ready to stone a child molester, me included, just so you think. Maybe you guys won't. Maybe I've got just too much flesh in me. But there's people that you just get your hackles up. When I was traveling in Africa, there were dictators that I'm country after country, I could tell you Malawi had a dictator, Zambia had a dictator, under Kuunda, Banda was in Malawi. It doesn't matter which African country I was working, had a dictator. And when I was working in Africa and I would see starving kids, it would make my blood boil. It would make my blood boil. I was like, I would want to smoke that dictator. If I had my 45, I was like, I'm going to be a righteous notion. I'm going to take him out myself. Because, you, you know, it's, it's, you know, you have all these, because when, you, when you're on the ground and you're seeing people starving and you're seeing this fat cat totally rape the country and live in literally gold palaces, never mind Mugabe and Zimbabwe. Oh, Lord Jesus. Not only did he have all the money, he won the lottery. Can you imagine that? Oh, my gosh. I, I, it makes me sick. The greed of men knows no end. Unless you think we have to look to Africa, we could look both sides of the fence right here. So before we go anywhere, let me just blow you. I don't know. Maybe I shouldn't go there. Jesus, help me. Yeah. This has never been about politics, people. America is not the kingdom of God. America, let me say, I love America. I'm grateful. I'm an American. I love this nation. I love what it stood for. But this is not the kingdom of God. Jesus came, and you know that they were, they were, he had a zealot as one of his disciples. Zealots were the political upheavalists that were going to change the world with their action and with their power and with their, with their vi- Jesus said, no, 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 no. How many times did Jesus preach against Rome? Give to Caesar what is Caesar's, he said once. Now, I know that's going to stick in the craw of a bunch of people, but I'm going to let you know the kingdom of God, Jesus said, comes inside of you. He came to give us peace inside of us. And when this world goes to hell in a handbasket, I hope that you are established in your faith. Because what Jesus gave us was a peace that surpasses worldly trouble. It surpasses it. He gave us stuff that, he gave us a a system of living that doesn't depend on who and which party is in power or which dictator is controlling the country. But if you think it's become become a social gospel that you now have to kill and maim and, and hate, you are on the path, the dark path. Jesus never came hating anybody. In fact, he said, love your enemy. Man, have you ever spent any time meditating on that one? Love your enemy? What? You, and you do realize that God is not a hypocrite, right? So if, if, if he's telling us to love our enemies, what do, you, what do you think he does with his? Kills them? Stomps them out? Squishes him like a bug. Or do you think God gets to act one way with his enemies, but he expects us to act more righteous than he? Hmm? Now, I'm challenging, I'm challenging mindsets here 
Because Mark 7 says this, making void the word of God by your tradition. If you see that in the NIV, it says you nullify the word of God by your tradition that you have handed down. The Young's Literal says it this way, setting aside the word of God for your tradition. Weist, I, I like uh, Weist's translation, um, he says this, he says, you are rendering void the authority of the word of God, which has been delivered to you to observe. You are rendering void the authority of the word of God. Tradition, you have got to understand. L listen, I mean, I know that you, you should spend a, a good hour thinking about this scripture, meditating on it, praying about it, praying in the spirit about it, saying, God, what does that mean to me? What tradition am I in? Because that, don't you think that's pretty, pretty astounding that you can render void God's word? That you can make, you, you, you. Do you notice that if you can make God's word void, that God has no power over that? God doesn't, well, I'm just going to make my will happen in any case. No. Do you see? We have been blunt, we've blundered, we've blundered into tradition and we are, it's almost like generally speaking, the church world has got these blinders on and they're marching like lemmings forward to, oh, well, yeah, no, it's just, that's just the way God is. There is so much stuff. Corin and I have threatened we're going to do a series called kicking, what's kicking, kicking over sacred cows. My, my, my job is not to offend, but to set free. Because Jesus said, it's the truth that sets free, right? When, if you abide in my word, then you will know, Gnosko, you will have an intimate, intimate knowledge of the truth, and then the truth will set you free. Not just the truth haphazardly will set you free. No, 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 no. Intimate knowledge of the truth will set you free. There is this massive void between religion and a relationship with God because we have taken faith and we've taken, we don't even understand the difference. I did that whole series, the, the sowing series, Nourish and Flourish, because we haven't even understood the difference between information and revelation. Gen we have not, we, we've just thought that if I know something in my head and I can quote it or just say it out or just I can regurgitate the scripture, then that equals me having it in my heart. No, it don't. You, I'm telling you, you could say things a million times, but if you don't get it in your heart, and if you don't get it in your heart, and, and, and the difference is, I'm talking about believing. I'm talking about faith here. I'm talking about taking scripture and putting it in your heart. It won't do you any good. It's not a spell that you learn to incant, and then when you incant it in the right order, God magically turns the heavens and makes somebody do what they don't want to do, and he coincides these things so that you can win the lottery, or whatever it is, fix the washing machine for you. Do, do, do you... <laughs> there, there is so much scripture that I can point to to show you this mindset that we have. I mean, I, I just see, saw one in, 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 in Acts the other day where it says Agabus, the prophet, and before he came up to Paul and that whole story with Paul in his belt, Agabus said, and he prophesied by the Spirit of God that there would be, um, a, this is New Testament, obviously, in the book of Acts, and he prophesied that the world would be suffering a big famine. 
And then it says, this came to pass under the, under the reign of Claudius. God speaks through a prophet and says, it's not because he's heaping out condemnation. He's warning people, guys, listen, take care. There's going to be a, there's going to be a big famine. Why? And then it says they took action and they saved up and they made sure that they sent money to the churches in Judea who were suffering from this famine because they heard the word of God and they prepared for it. But you see what paralyzes that and that takes a big old bazooka and blows that out the water is a tradition that says God is in control. Because God is in control will point to God and say, oh, God wanted that famine to happen or he allowed it. God wanted that to happen because of this. God wants this hurricane to hit blah, 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 or he allowed it. Now, I know, I, I know, I'm probably, probably many of you aren't going to come back again next week, and that's... <laughs> <Many will. laughs> but, but you see, I, I, as I said, our philosophy is we want, we, want you to, we want to equip you with reality, people. We want to equip you with truth that will set you free. If you want to be free and experience freedom in your life, radical truth-setting freedom in your life, or do you just want to play church? That is totally up to you. There are a lot of good churches that won't talk this way. And, 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 and you know what? My, my heart won't even... I would be sad if you left, but I would be okay if you went to one of those other churches. I'm not trying to send you away. I'm just saying, I you, 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 you hope you're tracking with me. It's getting real quiet. So. Yeah. But the, so you, you can render void the authority of God's word. So, so my title today was what I called, as we're wrapping up, I'll tell you what the title is. Are you a Christian or a believer? And I'm going to throw a few, a, a few thoughts your way. Now, now and, and why it's a, it's, a, it's a challenging thought process is simply this. Because do you know that the word Christian in the New Testament is used three times? In fact, it's Christian singular twice, one, twice and Christians plural once is used. Only once. And so this is, this is um, in Acts 11 verse 26. Um, it says this. And when they found, oh, sorry, sorry, 25. Barnabas went to Tarsus to look for Saul. And when he found him, he brought him to Antioch. For a whole year, they met with the church and taught a great many people. And in Antioch, the disciples were first called Christians. In fact, it's that very next verse. There's the one that I mentioned about the famine where um, it's in 27 and 28, the next two verses. But, but um, and then in, verse, in chapter 26, Agrippa says to Paul, this is King Agrippa, he says, uh, then Agrippa said to Paul, in a short time, you would persuade me to be a Christian? And Paul says, uh, yeah, I'll do whatever I can to make you like I am, he says, basically. And in 1 Peter, the only reference once by any apostle to the word Christian is in 1 Peter 4.16, when Peter says, yet if anyone suffers as a Christian, let him not be ashamed, but let him glorify God in that name. We are called followers of the way. Many, many, many times we are called believers. But there's this understanding, and, and why I want to highlight the word, is it bad to be called a Christian? No, if you know what you're talking about. 
You see, there is a cultural understanding of the word Christian. Oh, America is a Christian nation. No, it's not. No country can be Christian. <laughs> and I know you're going to like, what does he mean by that? Well, because a country can't get saved. Only individuals can get saved. The president can get saved himself, but that doesn't make it na a nation, a Christian nation. Does that make sense to you? I'm trying to explain. But, so it's, but can, a, can a country follow Christ's rule, um, um, a righteous, put righteous rules in place and follow commandments and follow his way? Then absolutely. Righteousness exalts a nation. That's wonderful. It, it will bring peace. It will bring prosperity. If, if a nation, any nation follows the way it's supposed to be, righteousness is the way it's supposed to be if any nation follows the way it's supposed to be if your life follows the way it's supposed to be it's going to bring you into prosperity and wellness because that's what god intends he wants you to experience abundant life right okay but there's this understanding this this cultural understanding of a christian and most second generation christians now i don't know uh, you know how many of you are you know, you can. I don't. You don't have to raise your hand. But some of you were born again in an in in a house that wasn't saved. You had your own Jesus experience, and you have your own back BC days. Remember before Christ days. You have it. But then your children grew up in a Christian home, second gen Christians, where they see us going to church, paying our tithes doing stuff, blah, 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 and they think that's their normal. They have got no background to that radical experience you have unless they have a one-on-one -on -one personal experience themselves. And many of you, I know, I know because I know many of you, could testify they've had, they've had major issues because we who have been first-generation Christians, believers, saved and did radical experience personal lives changed with jesus we've had issues with our some of our kids or children and we wondered i thought i was giving them the best thing ever and they're not even even appreciating it because they have not had a personal relationship with jesus they've had a cultural experience with christianity it's a cultural experience they are it's just a culture to them Every one of us in the world, including second and third gen Christians, need to have a personal one-in-one -one get saved moment. I've said this before. I have a real concern for people who say, I can't remember when I was saved. I'm not saying you're not born again. Listen to me carefully. But if you say, well, I've always just believed. There is a... I grew up in a, I, I had a, I'm a, partly a second, I say partly, I'm sort of a, a morph between a first and second because my mom and dad were born again before I was, and I grew up in a Christian, uh, a Christian home. And honestly, the things I don't know why, and, and this is what a second generation Christian experience is. How do you know that you know that you're doing that, going to church or paying your tithes or doing something sweet and nice because that's your tradition? Or because you're acting out of a true heart belief. A conviction, a personal relationship, it's flowing from that. But if we just turn it into, oh, this is just the way we row the boat in this part of the world. This is the, this is the way stuff is. 
we live here in part of what they call the Bible Belt, right? I don't know if you would consider, would you consider this part of the Bible Belt? Yes or no? I don't know. No, some people are saying no, some say yes, I don't know. There's a, all I know is there's a heck of a lot of churches around here. Yeah, we literally have one next door. <laughs> but, but, but listen to what I'm, what I'm, what I'm getting at is that cultural, cultural Christianity is not the same as having a personal salvation experience. And there's a lot of people that don't, haven't come to a personal salvation experience with Jesus where they have known for themselves. And listen, I'm not trying to judge people's hearts. I'm not trying to say people are going to heaven or hell. That's between them and Jesus. Always will be. I don't know. I'm not the judge of people. But I just feel that some of us who are first-gen believers, we don't understand what the trouble, the, the, the difficulty that a second-gen believer, like a kid growing up in our household, they have to face from a whole different perspective. I thank God for T and Stacy who are, are ministering to our kids because they want to give our youth a personal experience with Jesus Christ. Because I can tell you, that's why I say I'm a little bit of a morph, because even though my mom and dad, I was born, I was raised, I would go to a traditional church on a Sunday. I remember being terrified, as you've, if you've heard my testimony, I was just a little guy, I was about six or seven. I, I remember being terrified of going to hell because this was hellfire and damnation, man. If you sinned, you are on your way to hell. You better get saved or otherwise, you know, if you die tonight or on the way going home and you have not accepted Jesus as your Lord and Savior, you will go straight to hell. Do not pass, begin or collect $200, you know. And you know what? You will go straight to hell forever and burn in the lake of fire. So you better get saved right now. Anybody interested? <laughs> you know, it's just like... It's like, and, and I tell you what, no matter how, you know how many times I came up weeping to the, to the front of the church? Because they would, then the next week it would be, if you, if you sinned this last week, then you didn't, you weren't even, you're not even a real Christian. It's like, whoa, dude. And then if you don't just sin, if you just thought a bad thought in this last week, you're not even a Christian. I was like, Lord, I'm so lost. You know, you know, so I grew up. I don't know how many times, not whether I was saved, I was terrified of going to hell. I don't know how many times I begged God to save me. That was my experience with religious Christianity. Then, some of you know I was in boarding school. Most of my high school, my, my last four years of, of, of high school or, or schooling education was at a boarding school, which was 350 miles from home. And, and it wasn't uncommon in South Africa and certain towns, especially in big farming communities where we were at the time, there, there would be a city center and there was a bunch of schools there that, and, and they would have what we call boarding schools. Uh, kind of, I don't know how to explain it, but Corin was in one as well. And, and so, um, but you would come there to stay because it was just too far to commute. And, and so I, I tell you what, and I was in a boys' school that was boys only and it was a totally different experience <laughs> to living at home. That's all I can say. <laughs> living in a school with boys is a totally, totally, totally different experience. So I, had to, I, I was pretty soon that I had to figure out if this Jesus thing is genuine or not. Because there was a bunch of kids with me, and we all had a whole bunch of different churches that we were made to go to church. 
we, South Africa at the time was, was, um, w was very adamant, like you, we, we had a nationalized sort of religion that was in there, and, and they said, you had better, if you're a, you're a good kid, you go to church, and they would make it as boarding school. And literally, when you know how you get a checklist when you go to boarding school about stuff that you had to own? We had to have a suit and tie. I'd never even, I, even me, I hadn't even had a suit and tie. I had to own a suit and tie because most of my, my, my school friends, they went to a church that needed a suit and tie. So I had to, I was forced to, on a Sunday, put on a suit and tie to go to church. And I was like, geez, some of these churches that I was forced to go to, I was like, whew, I have never heard any of this stuff before. And, and pretty, much, pretty soon, I had to figure out, what is it that I really believe what is it that i really believe and as hard as that time was for my for me in my life in some ways and i could, could tell you a lot of, a lot of stories uh fun some of them some of them really fun some of them not so fun <laughs> but but i can tell you what i'm super grateful of one thing is that it caused me to face me it caused me to ask myself the questions alone with Jesus, missing my mom and dad who were hundreds of miles away as a little kid. Well, I was only, what, 14, 13, 14, 15, 16, something, something around there. I was like, I knew that the only, I knew enough of God to know that I, he was there for me. I'd heard enough to know. And so I know that I came to an experience with Jesus. It was there that I changed into a different church. I got filled with the Holy Spirit. Holy Spirit. My mom and dad weren't, did, they went to a traditional church. I got filled with the Holy Spirit in a little, a little church of about 30 people down the road. And I had this radical Jesus experience with the Holy Ghost. And, and so I know, I know that, that that changed my life completely because I didn't get handed down a bill of goods that was this cultural experience. Now, I still got cultural trappings, but the question I want to ask you today is, Are you a believer or you're a cultural Christian? What are, and if you, if you know the answer to that, how does that change how you think about your children or the people around you? Because, because faith is really of the heart. And, I, and I'm not going to go there today. I just don't have time to, to do it any justice. But, but faith has got to do with what you have believed in your heart it's got nothing to do with the name of your church it's got nothing to do with the identity of the sort of faith. I, I, it frustrates me when they say oh what faith are you are you buddhist are you hindu are you muslim are you christian what 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 faith are you that's how the term faith is used today that that is not a scriptural word for faith Pistis, Greek, the word for faith, we can, we can when we, and we need to understand faith, faith is what you put in your heart, what you believe in your heart, not what you agree to with your head. And as a taster for, I mean, where I wanted to go, and, and we'll have to carry on next week, but, but you, you can't, I find people, and, and it's sad to me, I mean, we want people to be saved, and we say, well, do you believe in Jesus? And they say, yeah, I believe in Jesus. But they don't act like it. They don't do it. They, they're experiencing massive destruction. They're not living any different. And Jesus said, listen, Jesus said you'll know a tree by its fruit. 
And what he means is that the way you believe in your heart will be evident in your life. You cannot hide what you really believe in your heart because it will bear fruit in your life. That's what James is talking about. What you really believe is going to shine out in your life. If you are judgmental and hateful, let me tell you something. You don't know how to love. You don't know God. And I'm sorry, I'm not talking about you. I'm talking about people online or not, sorry, not you online. You're talking about the people that you might share this with. But, but no, but what you believe will demonstrate in your life, what you truly believe. I'm not talking about what you say you believe. When people say, oh, well, I believe that, they're talking about, I know I've heard the story that Jesus died on a cross, and yeah, 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 I'll say yes to that, and blah, blah, blah. That is not believing. That, that, that is not believing. That is, that, that is just information that you agree with. In Isaiah 50, 53, 1, God says, who has believed our report? Who has believed our report? And it's powerful when you study that because, I mean, it's like God is saying, listen, guys, it's not just about, it's not just about what God, you, we, do we believe what God says about what Jesus did at the cross? And not just what he did at the cross. Because you know it wasn't done until he went and was seated at the right hand of the Father. And we can study the word tetelestai, it is finished, what Jesus said, it's beautiful. But that, the whole salvation process work wasn't done until Jesus sat, was seated at the right hand of the Father. It wasn't all done when he said, it is finished. And they, he, they did say tetelestai, the debt is being paid. That's a beautiful word. But when good Jesus, when God says in Isaiah 53, he says, who has believed our report? Who will believe what, and then he goes in to tell us what Jesus was going to do on the cross through his death and through his burial and through his resurrection. It's going to, what he was going to do. It's not about, if we say, there's people that even don't, don't even believe that Jesus has taken their sins. They don't believe in what Jesus did and accomplished at the cross. I know that because they, they want to repent from it and say, and, I, and I'm not saying you shouldn't repent from your sin. I'm saying you feel like God is still going to hold it against you. If, listen, if you, I've got such good news for you. Are you ready? I'm going to finish off with this. If you think God is counting up your sins against you, you don't know the gospel. You don't know the good news because he isn't. 2 Corinthians 5 says that God, oh sorry, 1 Corinthians 13 tells you God bears no record of wrongs. Do you know that there's some translation that have taken that piece out? Literally, I can show it to you in my Bible. You could go read all your translations, pull up your version app, and then see which ones actually have that written in and how many have kind of removed it. And some will have a little notation, and then if you look down in the footnotes, it will add that little piece in. God will bear no record of your wrongs. He removes your sins from Israel. The very word propitiation that Jesus, the, the whole chapter of Isaiah 53 was how God was going to take the punishment, all the punishment for your sin and put it on Jesus and then judge Jesus for your sin. So God can't judge you and judge Jesus. But do you know how many Christians believe that God will get you for your sin? Because they've never believed the gospel. They don't even know what it is to believe. On that merry note, 
God, God, you know, God has done something so radical for us. Paul said it that way, and you've heard me, one of my favorite scriptures, Romans 1, 16 and 17, he says, I'm not ashamed of the good news because it's the power of God to salvation. The truth of the gospel is so powerful and so life-changing that it's got all the power of salvation. And, and that is sozo, soteria, and if you study that and you've listened to it and you've studied it, it's not just one day in the sweet by and by you go to heaven. It is saved, healed, made whole, delivered. Uh, I can't even remember. There's like seven of different meanings of the word. So God's, that is the power in the gospel. When you believe the gospel, and it goes into saying why it's the power, if you read verse 17, because in it, why is it powerful? Because in it a righteousness that is by faith from first to last. And, 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 and I tell you, listen to me. I, 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 I know what it is like to grow up in that traditional cultural Christianity or whatever I experienced. I'm not going to blame any churches or people, but I didn't get it. So when I read Jim Richards' The Gospel of Peace, I met him years ago in the 90s in South Africa. I, I, God had started showing me some of this stuff to me when I was in the army, and I had that dark experience, and Jesus started showing me some stuff, and I was like radically getting touched. And when I asked Jim Richards that one day, and I got hold of his The Gospel of Peace, I spent three years reading that book. Three years. And now some of you are like, well, you're stupid. Well, that's probably right. But, you know, I, 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 I had been so ironed in. I had been so ironed in, in traditions and in mindsets that I, I, was, I knew in my heart, my heart was going, uh-huh, uh-huh, uh-huh. But my head was going, you know, it was popping every, every, because I could not wrap my heart, my, and, and I did, because I know, I knew that I knew that this is truth. Because you know how your heart says, uh-huh, uh-huh. Your heart doesn't let you down. There's an anointing. When you got born again, the Holy Spirit came to live inside you. And First John says, as that anointing teaches you to abide in Him. That anointing teaches you to stay in God. He will be your true north compass. He will tell you. He will tell you when I'm saying something wrong. He will tell you. Or otherwise, he'll be going, uh-huh, uh-huh. Or otherwise, your head will be going, oh, you know, whatever it is. But, but I can tell you that I, 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 had to, I had to get back with myself and find out what I believed about some of these things and there is a process that you can there is a process that you can get it in your heart and i tell you when you know the truth truth sets you free like you will never be free before truth sets you free and i'm not talking about oh this is great information so i can go and teach it and be famous you've just got a poor self-worth and that's okay i did too and i'm, I'm working on my own self-worth I, I, but, but listen, guys, we've got a, we have got this magnificent gospel that the world is desperate to hear. And we need to lay hold of it. We need to lay hold of it with everything we are. And when, 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 we, in, when we just, <laughs> when we get down and dirty, as I sometimes say, and we just, we, the rubber hits the road and we just say, Jesus. I want to know you and who you really are. I mean, it, close your eyes just right now. And, and as we just, as we wrap it up, you just, you, you know, God doesn't care what you say so much from your mouth. And, and I want to be careful how I say this because Romans 10 says that if you believe in your heart that God raised him from the dead and confess with your mouth, you will be saved. 
But to con- the confession comes after believing in your heart, and, and it's when, you, when, you, when your mouth and your heart line up with it, each other. That's what it's talking about. And it's not about, oh, don't worry about what's in your heart. Just say this with your mouth. I'm, I'm not into regurgitating spells. That doesn't get you saved. It's, it's, clinging, to, it's clinging to him. It's putting your, your life in his hands, saying to him, Lord Jesus, I trust you. I take you at your word. I choose to believe your reports and what you say about your death, burial, and resurrection. I choose to believe that. And even if I don't know all of that right now, I choose to follow that way. I do surrender my all to you. I do pour out my all to you. Lord, I thank you that you are good, that goodness and mercy will follow me all the days of my life. I thank you that you have loved me so much. Thank you, Lord, that you have not held a record of my sin. Thank you, Father, for setting me free. And I open my heart to be a a disciple, a student. I choose to declare you as Lord of my life. Thank you for loving me. Holy Spirit, I surrender to you. I choose to learn from you. I choose to learn from you. I choose to learn from you. Because you are humble. Thank you, Lord Jesus, for teaching us. Thank you, Holy Spirit. Father, I just pray for every person here this morning, every person within the sound of my voice or the recording. Father, I just thank you that we will cease or to I we'll cease to believe in this cultural experience of Christianity and 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 distinguish between that and truly believing in our hearts. Thank you, Father, for every sincere heart will turn to you because you want to meet every single person without condition where they're at. You want to pour your love on their hearts into them. You want to reveal yourself to them. And let me tell you that right now, if you want God to reveal yourself to you, all you need to do is ask him because he will meet you right where you're at, right where you're at. Say, Jesus, I have not known you, but I want to know you. Thank you for loving me. Amen. Amen. This morning, as we conclude this service, you know, I... If, if, there's, if there's something that you want to just touch on with, with one of our prayer ministers or come and talk to them, please do. They are such good folk. Our prayer ministers are so well trained. They love you all. They want to minister to you. And they, they know how to hear God. I just want to let you know, they know how to hear God. So if there's something that you want to share with them, and listen, it's completely confidential, but um, even if that doesn't suit you, you know, if you're online, or if you want to make an appointment with one of them or with us, you know, you can text the church number 352-441-3016 and just say the word prayer and we'll be in touch with you. Or, or come and speak to one of our prayer ministers right now and say, hey, can I, can we call, can we talk, can we chat later? Amen. Thank you. Thank you.